Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, it is my pleasure and honor to welcome my guest, James Choi. Hey James, how are you today? Hey Blair, uh, great, to, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited because this is a career path that um, I feel like I don't really know anybody in this career path. Um, so I feel grateful to have you on today to share a little bit of your story. Uh, so without me just, you know, uh, talking for eight, for days here, um, what is it that you do, James? Yeah, so my, my current role is as a lower school, uh, head of lower school. Uh, I am so basically an elementary school principal, um, but I work in an independent school in the Atlanta area called the Lovett School. And uh, Lovett is a K through 12 um, independent school, uh, meaning that families choose to apply um, and uh, pay tuition to attend. So it is not a public school. Um, and it's a K through 12 school, meaning that it spans, you know, from students five years to 18 years old. Um, so my um, purview is uh, the lower school, which is grades K through five. And so uh, I oversee um, 500 students and uh, approximately 80 faculty members day to day. Wow. Okay. So just to clarify, um, so I have it straight. So you are like the the head principal of K through five at the Lovett School. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So there are three divisions at the Lovett School. There's lower school, middle school, and upper school. Okay. So there's a principal that oversees each of those divisions. And then there is also um, a head of school and an associate head of school who oversees the entire uh, operation. Gotcha. Um, okay. So, I mean, that yeah, makes sense because um, in a public school system too, when the schools are separated, each school has their own principal. So... Yes, that would make. Yeah, it would, yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah. could sort of think of it that way and much in the way that public schools then have assistant superintendents and a superintendent sure. who oversees the entire district. I mean, it's a similar mo similar model and concept, obviously, just much more intimate. Yes. So, OK, what does a typical day look for you uh, look like for you, James? Like, um, I'm sure it's like ever changing, but. Typically, what does it look like for a principal? <laughs> yeah, so so the answer is that there really is no typical day. Right. <laughs> um, uh, a principal's work is pretty uh, wide ranging and all encompassing. And so, you know, it ranges from things like making sure uh, student safety and emergency drills, uh, which, you know, in light of recent events, obviously, yes. has been at the top of everyone's mind. Um, so things like that, things like day to day operations, just making sure that, um, you know, everyone is that the school building is fully staffed, uh, overseeing the budget, um, thinking about, um, you know, how we allocate funds to different departments within our school, mm. uh, thinking about how to um, support teachers and their development, uh, thinking about faculty retention and recruitment. Um, thinking about um, students and their learning and developmental experience here uh, throughout their time um, at, in the lower school. Uh, and the other thing really about independent an independent school like Love It is that um, we really prize uh, family school relationship. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that also is thinking about, okay, how do we provide um, parent education workshops uh, for families um, so that they're well aware of their child's experience and maybe even doing some parental skill building. Um, and so there's just, again, a, a lot that goes on into this role. So, I mean, again, a, a, a typical day or just let's say a day can look like uh, me going into a second grade classroom to hang out with some students who just recently published uh, their fantasy stories and just celebrating that with them, leaving some positive comments. 
uh, and then maybe you know diving into a budget meeting after that, and then from there um, going to uh, maybe respond to uh, a student safety uh, mm. challenge or a student discipline issue. Uh, maybe a kid in you know fourth or fifth grade made um, a racially insensitive comment to another peer, and so obviously. How do we make that a learning opportunity for that child? How do we repair the relationship between students? How do we get families involved and keep them posted? Um, so all of that, um, or again, just in the evening, maybe um, attending a, a concert uh, that that students are in. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say it just, it's, it's all encompassing. Mm. Um, man, I have a lot of questions, but I'll start with my, um, uh, can I, I don't know if this is too personal, but the reason I want to ask it is because, you know, the purpose of my podcast is to help people look for a career path where they feel like would fit for them and that they can really come alive in. Um, but, you know, in recent events, like you mentioned, like with um, the school sh shooting at the Covenant School, which is also a private school, my, mm -hmm. my, my children, they actually attend a private school here. And so the Covenant School shooting actually really yeah hit close to home for me and mm. I think it shook me up as a parent um just because I think previously um it doesn't make a difference obviously like whether it's public or private school but I think there was a thought in my head as a parent if I'm honest that like oh it's less likely like it's mm. less likely is what I is what I felt if I'm completely transparent sure. um so when it happened at the Covenant School, and even the Covenant School model is similar to the school that my kids attend. Um, anyways, it was it was a lot for me emotionally. So even as a parent, I feel that way. But you know, as a principal, I would imagine you feel a responsibility for your students. Now, the reason, the question I I have is like, what is the weight of that like for you? Because, you know, I would imagine someone like, okay, I want to be a principal. Yeah. Is there is there an emotional cost to this? Yeah, I mean, what a great question. I mean, I think generally uh, there is, um, I mean, I don't know that there has to be an emotional cost, so to speak, but for sure there is a weight and a gravity to the role. Okay. Right? Uh, I think when people often see leadership from the outside looking in, and I know that this was certainly true for me, when I was aspiring to be a school leader, mm -hmm. you know, what I saw from the outside looking in either as a teacher or even before I decided to go into education was sort of an elevated status or the prestige or the reputation, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe um, even uh, increased compensation, right? And those mm -hmm. are all of sort of the external things that you see from the outside looking in. Um, and the reality is that leadership can be pretty lonely. Yeah. Um, in that uh, there are very few people who really understand the responsibilities that you carry with you on a day to day basis. Right. Uh, and of course, that is magnified when you're thinking about the physical wellness and safety of 500 kids, 80 faculty members, as well as any guests that we have on campus. Uh, but one thing that I will say is that, you know, I've certainly learned over time that um, though I may be the principal, uh, that leadership is not a solo sport. And so I feel incredibly fortunate to have um, really a team of principals mm -hmm. um, here at the school, including the head of school and the associate head of school. Uh, we have uh, an incredible security team with whom we partner. 
Um, I also have uh, an administrative team uh, in the lower school that helps me with day-to-day operations. And so, um, you know, I I rely heavily on the people around me. And Mm -hmm. so I think what really helps defray some of what you're referring to as the uh, emotional cost Mm -hmm. is um, just me recognizing that I'm not in it by myself and that I've got other really good, capable people around me uh, who are equally invested in the work that we do. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that part, James. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, so as you're going through your day to day, I was wondering, you know, is a principal more of like, um, is it heavy on administration? Like as in far as like, you know, like writing and like d- doing those kind of things? Or do you feel like it's um, being hands on with your students or is it a balance of both? Yeah, I would say probably the the skill that I use most in my job is um, interpersonal skills. Okay. Um, and um, emotional skills. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the work that we do is we invest in people, right? We invest in little human beings who we want to grow up as confident, mature, um, responsible citizens of the world who are able to contribute in amazing ways. And, um, you know, that work is messy. I'm not sure if the people out there are listening um, are aware, but um, kids are imperfect (laughs) and humans are imperfect. And so we're dealing with messes and imperfection all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think part of it is, okay, when when we maybe have disagreements, right? Or maybe when, let's say, a parent comes to me because of something that happened in the classroom that they don't agree with, Mm -hmm. uh, or, uh, you know, a teacher is frustrated over a certain situation, uh, how am I working to really understand their perspective and meet them where they are. Uh, I think it requires uh, a lot of emotional work on my end to sort of reserve uh, my judgments or what I think might be right in that moment and simply lean in and listen. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a skill that sounds really easy, but um, has taken me years to develop, quite frankly, something that I'm still learning how to do. Um, And so I would say, yeah, really those interpersonal skills of really leaning in with curiosity, asking open-ended questions to hear more about their perspective, um, and then finding ways to bridge the gap. Um, whatever that might look like. Um, and, and sometimes, quite frankly, uh, there might not be a way to bridge the gap. Yeah. And, uh, and if in those instances, like, you know, then how do we move forward there? Um, so I think, you know, all of those things really do contribute to um, some of the key ways in which I show up in my role. It's so fascinating, James, as you're talking, I'm like in, in a lot of agreement, but I'm realizing my role right now because my, my son, he's in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So like I'm new to all of the the things and I'm like, oh, like a principal is a really important job. <laughs> like, like, you know, as a parent in this in like on this side of things, I'm like, yeah, I mean, how diff- how challenging it must be, right? Like if I have a problem with my son and something happens at school, I'm going to go to my principal and talk about these things. But then if it's a bad thing that happened, I would probably, you know, come like ready to, I don't know, like be mad or something. Mm -hmm. And then you having to deal with that and kind of navigate, okay, I get that you're upset. This is your life, you know, your child's life that you Mm -hmm. care about, but having to kind of be direct but also 
not offend, right? And then like, man, interpersonal skills. That's what you got to have, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in in a lot of ways in my role, I feel like there are times I feel like a therapist. There are times Mm. I feel like a counselor. There are times I feel like a negotiator. Uh, And I think, again, what all of those people have in common uh, is um, the ability to just hold an emotional container um, or hold a container for the emotions that are coming their way. Um, and then really um, helping uh, and working with that other person to find a path forward. Um, yeah. And so that's certainly a part of my work that I don't think I realized um, just how uh, disproportionate, like a disproportionate of my work that would be. Um, and so so I think, you know, that there's certainly been a lot of learning connected to that. And um yeah, and I and I do feel as hard as it is, I feel grateful that I think, you know, each and every one of those moments allows me uh, also just to be a little bit more human um, right. in understanding uh, other people um, and, and trying to get outside of my own perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, James, could you like take me back to the beginning then of your journey? Like, did you always know you wanted to be a school principal or how did that start for you? Yeah. Well, the vision uh, was to be a professional basketball player. Oh! And and, uh, I got as far as college. uh, Really? Yeah. uh, So I I was a walk-on for uh, a small Division I school uh, in upstate New York, uh, Colgate, which they made the NCAA tournament this year, which was pretty awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was a blast. I, I love basketball and, you know, I mean, I'm five, six, I'm not particularly athletic. So just, just that I've made it that far was, but just, you walked uh, on the Colgate team. Yeah. And, and I would say just, just for a year and it was really, um, you know, when people say like, oh, like James, you play division one basketball. I often joke, like I didn't actually play, like I was on the team, but no, that's playing in my book. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I mean, I would say that that was really great. And, you know, it finally occurred to me, like, I kept thinking like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. And senior year, I was like, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, "I, I need to figure something else out. Um, you know, in any case, like junior year, I would say, uh, really, I took a class in education. It was the history of American education. And I really took it out of a requisite. It was a sort of a part of the core requirement um, to take a class in the um, social sciences and, and discounted as one of the social science classes. And that one class actually completely changed my trajectory. Mm. Um, I was fascinated just by all of these educational ideals that were so antithetical to my own experience. So I grew up in New York City public schools, where it was just a lot of like sitting at your desk, memorizing, taking tests. Like, I'm not sure if you remember like those citywide or statewide tests where you just like bubbling the answers. It was, it was awful. And like, you know, school was just like a thing that you did. Like you learned how to play the game so you could get the good grades, um, which I did and it was fine, but like there was never a genuine interest in learning. Um, And when I started taking these education courses in college, like, like I just completely, my mind shift completely like transformed. Like I was interested, like for the first time, I was very interested in what I was learning. I was doing all of the recommended reading. And so from there, I just kind of decided to pursue education. Mm. Um, Interestingly enough, it was not a teacher track at that time. It was just sort of like general educational studies. 
Um, and so after I graduated university, I actually did take a job at a for-profit um, after-school program okay. uh, called Score Educational Centers. It was a subsidiary of Kaplan at the time. Okay. And um, yeah, like I just, you know, I was working with kids. I was doing some marketing. I was doing some back office stuff. Um, and just working with kids was easily the best part of my day. You know, it was only a couple of hours, but I would work with kids K through eight. And, you know, as they come in, I would give them a fist bump. I would ask them about their day. They would tell me about this thing and that and their friends and what happened out at recess. And, um, you know, as I got to build relationships with them and support them in their academic progress, like when I saw the light bulbs go off, like it felt so good uh, Mm -hmm. to know that I played a role in helping this kid sort of like get it. Um, so from there, I applied to graduate school uh, for teaching. Um, so I attended um, the Bank Street Graduate School of Education, which is located on the Upper West Side in New York. Um, and from there, actually, like the goal was to go into public school um, because, you know, I'm, I'm a product of public schools myself. My parents are immigrants. I, I believe in uh, all of the ideals of public education and what it means to have access um, and yet at the time when I graduated and was looking for a full-time job in teaching, um, it was right at the economic downturn of 2008. And there was a massive hiring freeze all across New York, yes. which lasted for about three or four years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only option I really had was to explore private schools. And so, I mean, that's sort of how I got into private schools, really just by default. Um, oh, wow. And so what was, so I started out actually as an associate teacher, uh, which was really humbling. Um, so in private schools, there are actually two teachers for every class, many private schools. Uh, you might find two teachers in each lower school classroom, a lead teacher and, you know, an, an associate teacher or a co-teacher. Um, and so I started out really as an apprentice teacher and was fortunate to be paired with a really masterful veteran who kind of taught me the ins and outs. Um, and was fortunate to have a lot of really wonderful mentors along the way. Um, so in any case, that's kind of how my journey started. That's amazing. So at what point did you decide, oh, I want to go into school leadership? Yeah, so I so after spending two years at uh, Packer Collegiate, I um, actually went to another school. I helped found a school called the Green Hill School. Okay. Um, so I was brought in, I was hired to be the second grade teacher um, and really build the second grade curriculum and oh, wow. build that grade. And uh, a couple of years later, I moved up to the fourth grade to build the fourth grade. And uh-huh. so this this school was in its second year of existence when I joined. Uh-huh. And we continued to build each grade until now we were able to build out K through eight, which was the vision. <gasps> so, um, you know, there I was not only a teacher, but I was the custodian. I was part of the admission staff. Uh, there was a lot that I was doing that was not necessarily in the job description. Um, You know, I sat in on board meetings and I think that experience really gave me uh, a sense of just how complex schools were. Sure. Um, You know, it's about people. It's about operations. It's about business, uh, because ultimately, like you do need the funds to get keep a school going. Mm -hmm. And so there were just so much involved. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Um, You know, I I come from a family, my father owns and operates um, supermarkets and manages commercial real estate. So I do think like having grown up in um, a family of entrepreneurs, like Mm -hmm. sort of that entrepreneurial spirit was within me. Mm -hmm. And so this was really a way to kind of marry both of those things, like education and entrepreneurship um, in that, you know, schools, again, do operate as businesses. 
Um, and so uh, from there, I decided to take a year off to pursue my graduate studies in school leadership um, at Columbia University. Um, you know, there, again, it was just a year of really rich learning, connecting with lots of people from across the country, uh, many of whom were actually already um, school leaders. So it was pretty cool to just learn alongside them as peers. Um, and then from there, uh, when I applied far and wide for different leadership roles, uh, it just so happened that there were a couple of schools in the South that were really interested in me. Um, there was one in Houston and there was one in Oklahoma City. Hmm. And, um, you know, it, my wife and I were in our first year of marriage and really hadn't occurred to us to move. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, but that's where the opportunity was. And our model was always that adventure is out there. And so, Love you know, it. the movie Up, like yes. that's the motto, adventure is out there. So that's our motto. <laughs> we were like, God, like, let's do it. Yeah. And so we ended up moving to Houston for my role. And as it turned out, um, there was a science position available for her as well. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so we ended up teaching at the same school for four years. How fun. Yeah, that, that was pretty so cool. Great. Um, okay, so you know how in the, you said that you helped build or found a school um, first and then you built mm -hmm. out the curriculum K through eight. Um, and then you you said you took on a lot of roles, like custodial roles and like sitting in board meetings, and things like that. My question is like, why? Like, you know, like why do you love it or mm -hmm. what was the value for you? Yeah. Well, I think the value for me is like I've, I've always been interested in just like trying to get better. Like, mm. and, and whatever I decide to pursue, like, how can I continue to get better it's at It's the heart this? of an athlete right there. <laughs> so, I mean, a little bit. I mean, I think part of that is definitely driven by, like, an internal, like, competitive fire. Yeah. Um, And then also, like, uh, yeah, like, I just knew that I, I wasn't going to be a teacher forever mm. Um, in that I, I knew I wanted to be able to sort of expand my repertoire and, and try new things, take on new positions and roles and take on new challenges. And so... Um, you know, the benefit of being at a grassroots school is that I kind of had to do it <laughs> in that, like, if, if we didn't do it, like it didn't get done. Right, right. Um, and so it was a really small, intimate school where I had a chance to just take on a lot of different roles that uh, otherwise, like a teacher otherwise would not necessarily have the opportunity to do. Um, so I think, you know, part of it was circumstantial. Part of it was just, again, this like internal kind of competitive spirit within me. Right. Uh, wanting to learn and wanting to grow. Um, so all of that experience, though, do you, I mean, I would assume has benefited you a lot now that you are a principal. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, th the way I frame it is like every experience is an opportunity to learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, for sure, I think the fact that I had those opportunities helped position me um, to take on this role. And again, even in this role, like I'm, I'm still learning new things all the time uh and i'm messing up all the time and like that's okay like we're all learning like yeah. this is a school like yes. it's okay to mess up yes and and that's one of the things that like i'm really interested in changing about schools um you know when we were again when i go back to kind of our experiences growing up when you when a teacher asks a question right like what happens kids raise their hand and maybe they call on a couple kids and they say some things, maybe some answers are right, some answers are wrong. But like once a kid gets the right answer, then the teacher stops calling on kids, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh yeah, Johnny got it. Like that, that's the right answer. Mm -hmm. And we're so interested in getting it right, 
And I think what schools could be doing better is like, how do we encourage messing up? How do we encourage failure? How do we encourage learning from failure and being okay with it? Yeah. I mean, I think part of my work as a leader is like, how do I model that for myself? Because mm. the hope is that if people see that a principal is messing up all the time and he's okay with it because he's learning, then that gives other people permission to do the same. Right. So yeah. uh, that's one of the things that I'm really interested in sort of um, culture building, uh, just here at Love It and then at schools in general. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. I want that for my own children and um, me myself as a perfectionist. Uh, I'm working on it as a parent and I um, try to give myself and my children and my husband even um, permission to make mistakes. And I think it is so important. But yes, you're right. I think the way we grew up, um, the school system in itself, I mean, these are just my soapbox things. But yeah, I think... That's right. Like we are rewarded for only the perfect right answers um, yeah. instead of the the latter, right? Where if you make a mistake, yeah, it's okay. To sh be shown grace in that moment is, is so important, especially as a lower, I think a lower elementary principal too. So, um, okay. So your path to becoming a principal though, James, like is that mm -hmm. typical? Like teaching and then kind of working your way up or yeah I mean it it can be typical um I would say the path that I took is probably most typical okay in that you know I, I started out as a teacher mm -hmm. for several years and then um took on an assistant principalship and then now a principalship or head mm -hmm. of lower school so yeah I mean that that's a pretty traditional path okay um some people have some more non-traditional paths mm -hmm. um to school leadership and that kind of depends on what the school might be looking for. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So if someone listening that's like, oh, like I'm interested in school leadership, maybe I want to be a principal one day. Would you suggest like getting experience as a teacher in the school system first? Or what do you suggest? Yeah, I think it would be very hard to be. I mean, I'm sure there are people who do it. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's very hard to be a principal without not having taught um, just in that your job is to support teachers, right? right? Your job is to support their work and their growth and their development so mm -hmm. that they can do the magic in the classroom with kids. Right. And if you don't have the experience of being a teacher and you don't understand what that's like and what it takes to support kids, um, you know, you can imagine the sort of disconnect that might make it really difficult to do that job well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I would say, uh, I would certainly recommend that if you're aiming to be a principal, <laughs> Uh, for you to have some classroom experience. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. That's good to know. Do you feel like um, the principal student relationship has changed like in this generation? Because, you know, like when I was growing up, I was like, oh, like you go to the principal's office. But like, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I can only speak to my experience. But um, yeah, for sure, when you're, especially when you're attending a big public school, and um, I don't even think I knew my lower school principal. Like, I, right, right, I do yeah. remember, like, I actually have a picture with him. I think when I won some award in like fifth grade, uh -huh, but I actually uh -huh. don't remember his name. And I don't really remember any interactions with him uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, in passing. Um, but I would certainly say that the way I try to wear the role and then the culture here at Love It is very different. I mean, I'm out at Morning Carline, mm -hmm. greeting kids, opening the doors for them. Um, I It is my goal to learn every single name in the lower school. Um, I'm still trying. Uh, I'm, I'm getting there, but not quite there just yet. 
It's a lot of kids. Yeah. And especially because we have, you know, a hundred, like at least a hundred new kids every year. Sure. Yeah. Fifth grade yeah, graduating yeah. and new kids coming in. Um, but, and, you know, so I, I, I do try to be a presence again, just popping into classrooms, seeing what the kids are doing, pulling up next to them. Hey, I, I noticed that you're trying this math strategy. Tell me a little bit more about that. Mm. Um, I actually had a couple of kids who wanted to speak to me about whether we could, um, they wrote these persuasive essays, um, about whether we could um, move away from school uniforms. And so they sat down with me and presented their argument. You know, I listened, asked them questions, um, took a picture and sent the parents the picture. Hey, here's the meeting that we had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important for me to model what those relationships look like. Again, when I think of a principal's role, I think part of my role is like, how do I model the things that I want my teachers to do, yeah. right? And if I want my teachers to have constructive relationships with students and families, like I need to model that for myself. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, that's something that I do try to keep in mind. I mean, there are times my day gets really busy and it kind of gets taken over with lots of things, Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I do try to make an effort to just intentionally plug in time uh, to be a presence that's uh, awesome. with students that's and awesome. faculty. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, it, it is really important, but um, you're right. I think when I was growing up, I, I had more interactions with like my associate principal than I did with the, the principal of the school. But um, I think it's great that you have the opportunity to shift this culture a bit. And um, at least again, for my children, I, I would want that, you know, like to have this kind of trusting relationship with school leadership so that if there is a problem, it's not like a scary thing, right? It's like mm -hmm. a, hey, like, let's figure it out together kind mm -hmm. of thing. Right. Um, and like you said, I mean, growing up, being human is just messy anyway. So like, it's nice to have someone that you know is rooting for you. Um so I started this podcast, you know, with the intention of resourcing young people. Um, but also another um, element of the podcast, which I've shared with you before, is I do um, interview Asian Americans um, in particular. And the reason for that is I used to be a figure skating coach. Mm. And um, long story short, I had like about 20 students at the peak of my like kind of coaching career and Ooh. um 17 of them were asian oh wow yes yes and okay. it was it's nothing that i didn't i didn't try it's yeah. just it just kind of happened and then yep. i started to realize oh there was a reason right like yeah. there was a reason little girls wanted me to be their coach and it's because mm -hmm. i was the only asian american coach at the rink i was coaching sure. at yeah. um and, and i i didn't honestly just growing up in an affluent white neighborhood i never put two and two together because i did not have the same models that I feel like um, students do today or kids do today. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, all that to say, James, like, you know, as an Asian American principal at a what I know to be a very well-known and prestigious school here in Atlanta, mm -hmm. um, just uh, just growing up here, that's just how I viewed it. <laughs> but um, like what? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, I, you know, if I were a Korean kid going to love it, yeah, I think that it would impact me more, like without even really understanding what I was feeling, right? Sure, like, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I think what you're speaking to is like the power of representation yes, uh, and being able to see yourself in others. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I did not, 
so uh, stepping into leadership roles, like I, I didn't necessarily have that in the forefront of my mind. Mm. Um, but I will say that it became apparent to me as people shared that with me. Uh, so for example, like there are some Korean kids um, in the school where I was prior, uh, as well as here, where, uh, you know, the parents will come up to me and say, like, you know, my child is so proud to be at Love It because of you, wow. or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so that means a lot in that, like, I'm, I'm not necessarily going out of my way to show up as a model sure. um, for those kids specifically, but to know that I have that kind of impact. Um, certainly, uh, then just kind of just makes me more aware uh, mm -hmm. of, of that. Um, and thinking about, you know, their experience um, in, yeah, a space that where they're not, they're not heavily represented. Yeah. Right. And so, right. It's, it's I, not right. Am I wrong to say that? No, I mean, I would say so our population is, um, I think right now we're at about somewhere in the neighborhood of like 24% ish. In the United color. States or? Sorry, what do you? Oh uh, no, I'm talking about um my school. Oh, your school, your school. Okay, okay, yes, yes. We're we're uh, like our population is approximately 24% students okay. of color. Okay. Um, and I don't know the exact breakdown um in terms of uh like the the racial breakdown of that 24%, but yeah, I mean, you know, Love It is a long and storied um institution. Sure. Yeah. And so. Yeah, to to certainly be a person of color in this space. I mean, it's um, I don't. Yeah, I, I guess it's interesting in that like I don't necessarily think about it that way. Though again, I've been I've just become more attuned to the impact and what that means for others. But I think for me, what's interesting is that I've actually always been in predominantly white spaces mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. or non-Asian spaces, yes. right? Like so, whether it's like again being on a high school basketball team, being on a yeah. college basketball team. Yeah. Being, uh, you know, at a very small um, uh, liberal arts, um, sort of like upper class liberal arts school. Um, I've, I've always sort of been, uh, I guess I've gotten used to um, those spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe, I don't know, I'd have to think about that some more just in terms of like, oh, yeah, what does that mean for me? Yeah, no, I get it. Because like I mentioned to you before, I, I it never occurred to me. Um, like that coaching situation, right? Like one day my husband was like, hey, did you notice that like all your students are Asian? I'm like, no. Like, you know, like I, I, yeah. and I didn't even think to like that there was an, a second thought about it until some, another coach actually said, hey, like my student left because she wanted you specifically, you know, mm. to be her, her coach. And, um, yeah, so I'm in the same, like, I've been in predominantly, like, I think, non-Asian spaces growing up. And so it never occurred to me either. So I know exactly what you're saying. But I just um, wanted to thank you, I guess, to to be in this space, in this leadership role, and making the impact you are making on the next generation. And um, I think it, it does speak volumes, whether um, you realize it or not. I'm sure you know, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I am certainly hyper aware that there, um, it's... Like I have not come across another uh, Asian male lower school educator. Right. In, in I my feel journey, like that's so rare. In, in my journey, like so, I've been in education seventeen years, uh -huh. and I have not come across a single other Asian male lower school educator. That's so interesting. I, I mean, I, I have, I have, I've come across some friends who are like, 
you know, upper school math teachers or uh-huh. upper school science department uh-huh. chairs, uh-huh. Um, but but not lower school uh, and not male. Interesting. So I, I have. <laughs> so if you're out there, would love to connect with you. Yes. Yes. That's pretty fascinating. Um all right. Well, we're kind of like rounding out our hour together, James, but I always ask a, a last couple few questions to to my guests. And the first one is, um, what do you like least about your job? Ah, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think, well, what I what I don't know if it's that I like least, but I would say what is hardest about my job mm-hmm. is um, just unexpected crises. Um, and again, just knowing that I'm responsible for 500 kids and 80 faculty. So, you know, last year, for example, like we had a building fire, (gasps) like we actually had a fire in the lower school, you know, so we, we do the drills obviously, and they're always just drills, but like this time it was real, Right. we couldn't go back into the building for two weeks. So I had to come up with an alternate plan with my leadership team about how we're going to keep school going when we can't go back into the building. Um, and so, you know, fortunately, other leaders in the school sort of rallied around me and we came up with a plan to kind of make it happen. What you know, was the was solution? Plans. Um, so we we ended up borrowing middle and upper school spaces. I see. And so, yeah, we were certainly fortunate that we have a large campus and some additional spaces. It also happened to be exam week for middle and upper oh. school. So they didn't have traditional classes. So the timing of the fire, if it was going to happen at all, was fortuitous. Um, So I would say, yeah, like crises like that, or like, I mean, COVID, COVID was incredibly difficult in that um, everybody had an idea of what was right. And um, it, you know, when you have a huge population, like you're never going to please anybody, Mm -hmm. right? Or everybody, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's very difficult um, to find a Goldilocks solution. Mm -hmm. And so you try to do the best that you can with the information that you have. And to the extent that people have strong feelings about the decisions that you make, you try to listen and hold a container for those emotions and thoughts. Um, And then ultimately, you just stick with the decision that you might think is best. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, that's sort of another example, I think, of when leadership can be very lonely Mm -hmm. in that, um, you know, people hold you responsible for the decisions that you make. Right, Um, right. Uh, Those were pretty tough times. uh, And I would say really exhausting times. Mm -hmm. And uh, times where I can also say that I've probably grown the most, um, Mm -hmm. just in terms of um, building my own resilience as a leader and a human being. Sure. Yeah. So, um, James, do you, as a principal, like, you do have to make a lot of final decisions, then? Like, you don't have to answer to other people? Well, I mean, I answer to the head of school. Okay, um, okay. And I and I work in tandem with other school leaders, whether okay, that's okay. the other two principals. And we have again just a team of senior leaders here. Um, but but I am the face of the lower school. And so right. if people often have a question about a lower school related decision, yes. sort of an institutional decision, um, then I am often the first person that they seek. Okay. I was just curious. Um yeah. But that that's crazy, the fire. It reminds me, sorry, quick sidebar, if you don't mind. Um, like my school, I think it was high school. We had a, a guy, his metronome went off okay. in his gym bag. And but the there was no like it was like my year, like it happened to be mm-hmm. my grade. And um, he left it in a classroom and then forgot that he left it there. So there was this unidentified bag, like, 
ticking. And so like, oh wow, yeah, like it was insane. And so yeah. we, everyone evacuated to school. Oh, the bomb gosh. squad showed up. <laughs> and like till this day, like even like our class reunions were like, hey, remember that time? Yeah, <laughs> like, that sounds pretty crazy. I'm right? Really it's so crazy. And I feel like it was at the height of like, I would even say like um, something happened. But it was like, like, it wasn't like, un like heard of you know what i mean like it was like i don't know if it was a school shooting or something uh, to that to that um situation was like totally legitimate it could be legitimate kind of thing mm -hmm. and so yeah candy it was crazy i mean yeah. the kids us students were like aha but then i'm sure leadership was like <laughs> yeah, yeah this is nuts but anyways okay well, as but they so, say um yes tragedy plus time equals comedy yeah <laughs> Um, so what do you like the best about your job? Yeah, I think the best thing I like about my job is, um, just finding those wins, like connecting with people. I mean, I love hanging out with kids. There mm -hmm. are times again, when I'm out of carpool, just greeting them. Um, or sometimes I might, um, hop into a PE class or recess and play basketball with them or whatever game that they're playing. Uh, they love that. They love when I just, I'm sure, surprise yeah. them and just pop in and join them. Um, I mean, I also really love coaching my team. So um, I have a team of leaders in the lower school uh, that directly report to me. And um, they're learning and they're growing and they're learning how to be effective leaders. Um, and so just opportunities to kind of listen to their experience and find ways to help them grow and me make meaning out of the experiences that they're having. Um, I, I would say that's also one of my favorite things about this job. Yeah, um, man, I I guess like the investment too, right? Like seeing the fruit of it would be pretty rewarding as well. Um, so if somebody's listening and they're like, man, what James is saying makes total sense to me. Uh, maybe this is something I want to pursue. Do you have any advice for that person or just any life advice at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say uh, leadership is not glamorous. And so I would say just be prepared for that. Uh, leadership looks glamorous on the outside looking in. It looks like, oh, look at that person. He's in, you know, sort of a, a reputable position. Uh, he's got um, some authority. He's got influence. Uh, but the reality is that there are a ton of responsibilities that come with that. And uh, again, there are times leadership can feel really lonely. Um, so I would just say be prepared for that. Um, mm -hmm. But also, like, if you're up for a challenge, if you are up for uh, learning about yourself more than anything else, um, and if you're interested in a journey where uh, there isn't always a right answer, uh, then leadership could be for you. Um, so I would just say kind of keep that in mind. Nice. Um, sorry, this came up while you were sharing just now in my head. I, are leadership roles in schools like competitive? Like, is it hard to do that? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's pretty competitive. So I'll just give you an example. So I uh, opened a search for um, one of the positions on my leadership team. Uh -huh. uh, it's a director of teaching and learning. Okay. Uh, uh, so they are responsible for um, supervising and mentoring teachers, um, instructional coaching, curriculum development. Uh, and it's uh, so the role that we um, searched for was a director of teaching and learning for grades three to five. So okay. I have a director of teaching and learning for K to two, and I have one for three to five. For that role, we conducted a national search uh, of which I would say over 
40 qualified applicants submitted um, their resumes. From there, we interviewed uh, 12 first round candidates uh-huh. and boiled it down to three finalists. Wow. And then, of course, ultimately one person gets the job. Wow. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, and, and, and I would say it probably gets more competitive the higher you move up. I see. Um, so as you can imagine, probably for a role like mine, I mean, it becomes a little bit more competitive. Uh, if one day um, I decide that maybe I want to pursue a head of school position, you know, that will obviously become incredibly mm. competitive. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would just say for sure it, it is there, there are only so many leadership roles. Right. And and again, that's part of, again, what makes this job somewhat lonely. Right. There just aren't as the, the higher you move up, you have fewer and fewer peers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That so. makes sense. Um, so like because it is so competitive, is there something like advice for that? Like, is it like who, you know, or. Yeah. So, I mean, it never hurts to network, right? right. It never hurts to network. Um, I would say, so like, are you, are you asking in terms of like how you can position yourself to be competitive? Sure. Yes. Okay. Mm. I mean, if you were to ask me, what are some of the things that I have done to kind of make myself competitive? I would say that, um, I've I've been unafraid to try new things. Uh, I've been unafraid to take on new roles, right? Uh, and then also like I when I'm interviewing or when I'm like going for a new job, like I, I show up in a way that's confident, that mm-hmm. is, uh, but also approachable mm-hmm. um, and also humble. Mm-hmm. Just in knowing that, like, okay, I have some level of experience, but it doesn't mean that I know everything, and there right. are certainly going to be situations for which I'm going to have to lean on other people for answers. And um, so I, I would say it's really more about um, uh, who you are as a human being. Like, it, like yes, your knowledge, your skill set, your experience, all of that matters. Um, and also, like, who you are as a person also matters in that I think as a leader, like, you are the chief culture builder of your division, yeah. right? And yeah. so... Um, when you are again modeling the sorts of uh, vision and, and culture that you want to build, um, yeah, like how how are you doing that in a way that resonates with others? Yeah. Well, James, thank you so much for all of your sound advice and just your transparency today. I really appreciate it. Was there something that maybe I didn't ask that you wanted to share about? Um. No, I mean, I think. I don't know how many people like I didn't necessarily start this journey thinking that I would be a school principal. So I would say, you know, your podcast is all about um, all about like figuring out that or knowing at least that your journey may not always be linear. Right. And so I would just say, yeah, be open to your journey, not being linear um, and just be open to different opportunities. There's no one right path, whether that's to school leadership or any other field that you're pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, uh, regardless, like just keep like figuring it, figure out, figure out new ways to learn mm-hmm. um, and, and continue to be open to uh, the journey and what that journey may be trying to teach you. Yes, very important. Um, do you have any advice? Like, what would be a piece of advice you'd give to one of your parents? <laughs> so one of my parents, are you asking that as a parent? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I would say I would say the same thing. Like, as you think about your child's journey, 
uh, it may not be linear and it may not be what you have in mind. Um, you know, I think especially, and, and one of the things about parenting is like, we often default. This is not true for everyone, but I think there are times where we may default to parenting in the way that we were parented. And so just being aware of um, when that's happening and do you mean to do that, right? So like, I think that's part of like building self-awareness as a parent. Um, so I grew up in a really authoritative uh, home and, you know, my dad was the head of the household and what he said, you know, like that, what, whatever he said, like that, that's what happens. Right. And like, I had to do kind of a lot of self-awareness in terms of, oh, like, so I've got this like authoritative figure in my life that has been really formative and I love my dad and he has had a tremendous impact on me, but also like, what are the ways that that might be showing up, for example, in my leadership mm -hmm. that actually isn't resonating with people. Right. And, and do I, do I know that? Like, am I aware of that? And what do I want to do about that? And I would say it's the same thing with parenting, just sort of always being aware of like, oh, how am I parenting? And, and do I, do I, am I intentionally choosing to do that? Right. Or am I sort of defaulting to patterns or things that were modeled for me? Mm. Um, so uh, maybe that's, that's one advice that I would offer parents yeah, that and, was and so just good. to let them know that, um, you know, their, their kid is, their kid is unique and, um, to, to meet them where they are. Yes. Thank you for that piece of advice today. I really need it. <laughs> um, well, hate to put you on the spot before we sign off, but if there's somebody listening that maybe um, wants to chat uh, a little bit more, would you be open to that, James, with me connecting you with them? Yeah, I mean, they, they can email me. That okay. would probably be the best way to get in touch. And so, yeah, if someone reaches out, you have my email now. So if you want to pass that along, they're certainly welcome to do that. Perfect. And, um, yeah, well, guys, we you that. heard it here. If you guys have any questions for James or you just have any comments, you can DM me on social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Thanks, James. Bye. All right. Thanks. Bye.